past couple of weeks, I went to Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo. They do a series of services at the beginning of the year called Zion. And it's Sunday night through Thursday night. And I attended those services. Excuse me. The first night, Sunday night, Chuck Pierce is there. And uh, he is a man that has a prophetic ministry. And what prophecy means is all the prophecy is is about the future. And he shared some things out of Scripture. And then he shared some things that God showed him for the coming year. So last week, I shared some of those things with you, and I want to continue this morning to show you some things about 2016 that will help you and bless you. If you would, let me just do a quick reminder of what I said last week. The first thing I said was, this year, you need to bathe yourself in worship. Worship is key. All right, it's so wise to listen to good Christian music. Uh, get some worship CDs on your phone or on your iPad. Listen to them in your car. Uh, listen to them in your home. Listen, worship will strengthen you and encourage you, and the devil hates it. So you get two bangs for the same buck. Isn't that good? Uh, the devil hates you listening to worship music because he knows it will strengthen you and encourage you. So do that, and it will bless you. The second thing is this is a year for you to respond. What does that mean? To respond to God. Christianity was never supposed to be a spectator sport. See, we're not supposed to have church and you show up and I preach and you watch us do church and you go home and about your business. Christianity is we're involved. And so God is asking you as a Christian in 2016 to respond. I believe there's some things stirring in you this year that God is asking you to do. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's your giving. Maybe it's volunteering in church. Maybe it's uh, doing something for or with your neighbor. But I just want to encourage you to respond, okay? The third thing I said was to get a quiet time. Okay, get a quiet time. Listen, I know we all live in a busy world. You're bombarded with information. We're overloaded with information. Kurt and I, a couple of years ago, attended a youth conference. And one of the, it was a room full of youth pastors and leaders. And they asked the person speaking, they said, what do you do in youth group uh, with, their, with the kids about their phones? They have phones. And this leader said, how many of you adults are using your phones right now? Well, 75% of them raised their hand. And I know that you're bombarded with information. But if I could encourage you, carve out some time during your day. A few minutes, maybe it's morning time. Maybe it's lunch, maybe it's at night. Turn off your phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, and spend a few minutes with God. Then the next thing I talked about was to read your Bible. Listen, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they're life. Okay, the Bible's not a book of rules. It's a love letter to you from your father. And when you read the word, it strengthens you and it'll encourage you and it'll change you. And so you don't just read the Bible, you feed on the Bible. And so, you know, if you've heard this before, if you haven't read your Bible, you shouldn't feel guilty. You should feel hungry. So take some time and read your Bible. Then the last thing I talked about was to not allow fear to rule you this year. All right. Lots of things happening on the news. Lots of things we all hear. Lots of things we all see. Don't allow yourself to be ruled by fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Listen, God is holding you in the hollow of his hand, and so you don't have to be afraid. I want to talk now about two more things specifically uh, that Chuck Pierce talked about and to strengthen you and encourage you. Two things together. Here's what I want to show you this morning. God's asking you to stake your claim as a Christian, stake your claim and to enforce the cross in your life. Now, let me talk first about staking your claim. Okay, I want you to think about staking your claim as a real estate term. Okay, here's what it means. It means to assert your rights. To assert your rights. Now, I'm talking spiritually as a Christian. 
okay, to assert your rights. Here's what it means. It's a physical act of marking your territory over which you have claim or right. Let me read it to you again. It's a physical act of marking your territory over which you have a claim or a right. When Vicki and I bought our house over on 220 Apache Trail, when we moved here, a uh, person came out, I believe it was a surveyor, and he used this little machine, and he found the four corners of our property, and he took this little tool, and he dug in the ground, and he found this little steel stake that was driven in the ground. Now, I didn't know where they were. He knew where they were because he used this machine to figure out where they were, and he dug down in the ground, and you could see this little steel peg. It was probably a piece of rebar, and then he attached a little wire to it with a little colored flag on it, and he did all four corners of our property. And you and I both know that designated our property lines. And within those property lines, as a property owner, I have certain rights and certain privileges. My neighbor can't build a fence over past my property line. Now, if we talked about it and agreed, it would be okay. But he can't plant a tree in my yard. He can't move his fence. He can't build a shed in my backyard. He can't take down his fence and pour a pad and put up a work building in my backyard, unless we agreed somehow on it, because I have certain rights. Okay, think about that spiritually, okay? You have rights and privileges as a Christian, and I want to show you this morning how to stake your claim and how to enforce the cross in your life. Excuse me. Hey, could I get a bottle of water? Could you toss me one? Let me get a drink, please. Thank you, sir. All right, I'm going to read to you this morning out of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 13, and I'm reading out of the New Living translation. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Would you say the word all? All of your sins have been forgiven. Let me explain something to you about the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it was done outside of time. What does that mean, pastor? That means your past, your present, and your future sins were forgiven at the cross. We all know when Jesus died on the cross, we weren't even born yet. It happened 2,000 years ago, but our sins were paid for. Here's what happens to us as Christians. We'll invite someone to church, and we'll tell them, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how much of a dirty dog you've been. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. If you'll come to church, Jesus will forgive you, and you can receive him as your Savior. And you can do that anywhere else, but you can do it at church also. And a person comes forward, and they accept Christ under the premise that they're forgiven, which they absolutely are. But then from that point forward, what do we do? We spend the rest of our life managing sin. We spend the rest of our life trying to behave. We spend the rest of our life trying to stay out of the tattoo parlor, trying to stay out of the beer joint, trying to stay out of those other places, right? And we spend all of our time trying to manage our sin and trying to behave. Okay, that's not the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Your sins... Your sin nature is gone. It's been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And it says right here in this verse that you have been forgiven of all your sins. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't do it for today but not for tomorrow. It's for all time. The Bible says he died once, once. He died once for everybody, once and for all. Now listen to the next sentence. It says, <clears throat> he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Listen to me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we handed out cards 
And I had you write down what you want God to do in your life. Well, today we're going to do it differently. I'm going to hand out notebooks, and I want you to write down everything you've ever done wrong. Now, some of you are going to need two or three notebooks. Right? Some of you are going to need a stenographer to help you. We're going to be here. We're probably going to miss both the football games because it's going to take that long for you to write that stuff down. Now, my list is pretty short, okay? I, I'm just saying. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm, a good, I'm a good guy. I was going to say I'm a good kid. I was a good kid. I'm a good guy. So my list is pretty short, right? But I know I'm only kidding. I know some of y'all's list is pretty long. Now, listen. I don't want you to miss this. Listen to it. It says that God canceled the record of the charges against you and he took it and he nailed it to the cross so you go home and you make a list of everything you've ever done in your life and God took that list he took it to the cross and he nailed it to the cross when Jesus was nailed to the cross and it was taken away man we ought to run around the room I mean that amazing now listen to what it says in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them. Now, I want you to see something. It says that God disarmed the devil. That's what he's talking about, spiritual rulers and authorities. And he shamed the devil in public and claimed his victory over him at the cross. Here's what happened. <clears throat> you know, in football, if you make a touchdown and you celebrate too much, they penalize you. You get a penalty for excessive celebration. Now, I don't get that, okay? Football is nothing but entertainment. It doesn't matter who wins or who loses. Now, we, we think it does, and I enjoy watching it. I'm on the edge of my seat last night when, uh, when uh, the Green Bay, he threw the Hail Mary. But then what they didn't know was next was coming the Hail Larry, okay? That, yeah, that's the name of the guy that caught the next pass, yeah. And so I'm on the, Arthur and I are hollering and yelling. Ashley's trying to sleep on the couch. But it, we all know in the scheme of things, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, them boys that lost yesterday went to their mansions and drove their Ferraris today, right? It don't matter who wins or who loses. Okay, I don't understand that penalty. Here's what happened. Here's what the Bible says that happened. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, God set that cross up and dropped it in that hole, and he took his heavenly hammer, and he drove that cross into the ground like a stake. And when he drove the stake of the cross into the ground, he staked his claim for you. And here's what he told the devil. He said, devil, they don't belong to you anymore. I'm staking my claim for them by the blood of my son Jesus. And it's as if God took a hammer from heaven and he drove that cross into the ground. Just like a real estate agent would drive a stake into the ground to mark where property belongs. And he said, devil, they don't belong to you anymore. They belong to me. Then it says he put a shame to him openly. You know what he did? He spiked the ball and did a dance in the end zone. And there was no excessive penalty. Amen? Come on! Listen, you don't have to hang your head anymore. Amen? Somebody told me in the early service, brother, you need to check your blood pressure when you're preaching. It might be a little high. I, I'm just excited. Amen? Now, I'm asking, I'm showing you this morning how to stake your claim and enforce the cross. Now, I'm going to read you another verse. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Now, don't lose that image in your mind. I want you to hang on to it. When that cross was lifted up and dropped in the ground, it was as if God was staking his claim for the earth 
through the blood of Jesus, and he was buying you back. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Do you know what the work of the kingdom is? The work of the kingdom is believing. Listen to it again. God saved you by his grace when you believe. See, the moment you believe Jesus is who he said he was, at that instant you were saved and you became a Christian simply because you believed. Now listen, I thank God for our volunteers and those of you that give and serve. Last week in Power Kids, we're packed with kids and we're singing and we're shouting and we're dancing and Kirk comes down there to do some video because we want you to see it. We're gonna show it to you on the screens in a few weeks. And Kurt said, Dad, there wasn't even any room to walk down the aisles. You got so many volunteers down there. Thank God for volunteers, amen? Come on, give them, amen, come on. All right. I'm not saying that you don't do anything. I'm, I, that's not my heart. But the point is, is all you do to be a Christian is believe. See, other religions are about you doing it. In Christianity, Jesus has already done it. Now, listen to it. It says you've been saved. Now, I want to show you something about that word that's amazing. In the Greek, it means sozo. Everybody say sozo. They didn't do a very good job in the first service. Y'all did a way better job. Listen to what sozo means. This is going to blow you away. See, I was taught growing up that Jesus went to Calvary and he died on a trash heap between two thieves, naked, shamed by all of humanity for my sins. And that when he died, my sins were washed away. And if I would accept that sacrifice, I too could be a Christian and I too could claim heaven as my home. And I did that and I believe that. But so much more then that happened at the cross. Listen to what the word sozo means. It means to rescue, to heal, to deliver, to preserve, to make well, and to deliver from wrath. Now listen to me very carefully. Is that not an amazing list of promises? All of that happened at Calvary. He rescued you. He healed you. He's delivered you, preserved you, made you well, and delivered you from wrath. Let me tell you, people are very interested in end times, and I love end times. But let me tell you something about end times teaching. Anytime you listen to end times teaching or you read anything about end times, here's how you always want to approach it. Whatever this person is saying or doing, how are they portraying the heart of God towards you? Listen, Jesus took the wrath of God for your sin once and for all. And people who are saying that God is angry, God's fixing to judge, God's fixing to pour out his wrath, God's fixing to hit us with lightning bolts, here's the thing, it can't be biblical. Now listen, judgment is coming, but it's not coming until the tribulation period begins and the church won't be here, we're the church. The Bible says we're not appointed to wrath. Listen, there was punishment for your sin and it's already been paid for and Jesus took your punishment on the cross he died in your place and he did it once and for all and what does it say it says you've been rescued healed delivered preserved made well and delivered now listen to what it says i'm asking you this morning to stake your claim or to assert your rights listen i'm going to show you this morning how to enforce the cross in your life listen the devil and darkness can do nothing in your life if you'll begin 
to enforce the cross. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about you recognizing that rescuing, healing, delivering, preserving, making well, and delivering from wrath belong to you because Jesus belongs to you and he gave it to you at the cross. And I'm going to show you how to stake your claim, how to drive the cross into the ground in your life and tell the devil to get off of what's yours. Okay, here's one of the first things you have to do. It's the next thing Chuck Pierce talked about. You have to move into your identity. Listen to me. Every one of us in here have an identity. A lot of times our identity was given to us by a teacher, by a coach, by mom, by dad, by a neighbor, by an aunt, by an uncle, somebody in your life. And lots of times our identity is not always good, you know, all right, one of the things that they would always say about me was, you know, you're like a bull in a china closet. What you don't own, you step on and break. That's identity. And you take that on. Here's what you have to do. You have to find your identity in God and find out what God says about you. See, that's why you need a quiet time this year. That's why you need to get in that New Testament and read the Bible because the promises in there are yours. Let me read you just a few of them. The first one is, is you're not unworthy. Now listen to me very carefully. There's some of you in there here who struggle with that. That feeling of unworthiness. That feeling of, ah, you know, I've done too much. I've made too many mistakes or I did this or I did that. Listen, you are blood bought and redeemed. You're not unworthy. Now, your worthiness is not in and of yourself. I'm not talking about pride and arrogance. I'm talking about you recognize you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen, I'm in right standing with God this morning. God loves me. The Bible says I'm welcome to come boldly to the throne of grace. When I gave him the offering this morning, the Bible says that money was received in heaven. When I stood on the front row and I lifted my hands and I put my head back and I said, Jesus, I love you. That praise was received in heaven. When I drove in my truck over here this morning and I was by myself and I said, Jesus, thank you for the gift of today. That prayer was received in heaven. I am not unworthy. You are not unworthy because of the blood of Jesus. That's recognizing your identity, who God calls you. Listen, if you feel unworthy, you don't pray very good, and you don't hold the cross very good in your life because you feel like you don't have any ground. Here's the next thing. Listen to it. I'm blood-bought. You're blood-bought. I'm a son. I'm not a slave. I'm not an orphan. I'm not going to live in the trailer house of heaven, and I'm not going in the back door. I'm going in the front door because I'm a son, and I'm going right in and mess with the TV and get right in the refrigerator because I'm a son, Right? I have a son, and I have a son-in-law, and we buy $150 worth of groceries a week to keep them boys fed. And they don't come in and say, can I get in the refrigerator? They just get in the refrigerator. Why? They're sons. Now, I'm guilty. If I've ever been to your house, you know I act like a son even at your house. Vicki will say, don't go in there. Don't do that, right? Listen, I'm a son. I'm not a slave. I'm not an orphan. Listen to it. I'm not unworthy, I'm blood-bought, I'm a son, and I'm loved. I'm not only loved, I'm deeply loved. Now listen to me, that's who God says you are. Now listen, let me tell you something. Here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to stake a claim, and I want you to enforce the cross in your life. And I want you to do it in your domain. Now let me talk to you about what that means. 
I have a domain in my life. I have a place where I have rights and privileges. Listen to me. My very first domain is my family. My wife, my children, their mates, and my new granddaughter. Listen, lots of times you're worried about what's going on in other places when the devil's having a party right at your house. See, you need to take authority over the devil right at your house to start with. My first domain is my home. My second domain is Tulia Christian Fellowship, my church and my job. My next domain is Tulia in Swisher County. I have authority and I have a right to pray and I have a right to enforce the cross in my house. I have a right to enforce the cross in my job and in my life. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm not talking about you being the boss or being bossy or telling everybody what to do. I don't mean it that way. I mean spiritually. Spiritually, you enforce the promises of God in your life. You enforce the cross. You state your claim. Let me give you a very simple example. Ashley taught school in Amarillo for th- three years. I held up five and said three. That's that. I need to go to Sesame Street, don't I? My gosh. Not three. All right. She taught three years at East Ridge Elementary. And... While she was a teacher there, I prayed every day over that school. I prayed over the staff. I prayed over the children in her room by name. And I went and I walked around the property of that school. And I enforced the cross over that school. And I claimed it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I brought the kingdom of God and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ over that school. And every single day that she was there, I prayed. And I own that school spiritually. The devil has not an inch there. Now, she doesn't teach there anymore, and I haven't prayed for him since. Oh, pastor, pastor, you're a Christian. Now, I'm a smart one. Listen to me very carefully, and I'm not trying to offend you. You see, my daughter's not there anymore, so I don't pray anymore because it's not my domain. Listen, you cannot pray for everybody, and you cannot pray for everything. It's physically and spiritually impossible to do so. You know how we are as Christians? We want to pray for everybody and pray for everything. That's why you have to be careful watching the news all the time because they give you one bad story after another, and you can't even assimilate it into your brain, and God's not asking you to pray about every bit of it, and you can't change every bit of it because it's not your domain. Listen, I don't, uh, I've never uttered a prayer for Los Angeles, California, and as far as I know, I never will. You know why? It's not my domain. Now, listen, if God stirs in my heart and says, Rusty, I want you to pray for L.A., that's totally different. But you know how we are sometimes? We're going to pray about everything and pray for everybody, and you can't do it. Vicki has always said to me, are you going to waste your emotional energy on that? What does that mean, Pastor? Well, let's say that I'm mad at somebody. Let's say I'm mad at Arthur because he's not treating Ashley right. And that's just an example, okay? He treats her perfect. He's an angel, we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? We all, well, we almost love him more than Ashley, all right? All right, I'm just saying. I'm just, so don't, don't think, oh, pastors, oh, what's he doing? No, 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 no. But you know how you get mad at somebody and you stay mad at them? Do you know what you're doing? You're burning up your emotional energy, and you only have so much emotional energy in your tank every day, and you burn that energy up. And she always warns me, are you going to waste your emotional energy on that? Now, listen to me. I'm talking about prayer. You have a domain, all right? Now, my daughter teaches here. She teaches at the Tulia Junior High. That junior high is in my domain. Her classroom is my domain. Her children that she teaches are in my domain. Now, the Tulia Independent School District is also in my domain because I live in Tulia. Does that make sense? 
You see, I pray over the junior high. I own the junior high spiritually. Now, I'm not up there bossing them or talking to anybody. I don't mean that. I mean spiritually. When she went to work there, I was so excited. And my wife said, you stay away from that junior high. I was like, what are you talking about? I need to be going up there and taking Cokes and donuts and making sure my baby's okay. I'm not talking about that. I pray because it's within my domain. Listen to me. Think about your home. Think about your children. Think about your grandchildren. That is your domain. Your job is your domain. The city you live in is your domain. The place you work is your domain. And you enforce the cross. Now, pastor, what what do you mean? What does the cross do for me? Here's what it does. It rescues you. It heals you. It delivers you. It preserves you. It makes you well. And it delivers you from wrath. Now, let me give you a simple example that the Holy Spirit's kind of stern in me. I'm thinking about Terry right here who works for the Texas Department of Public Safety. And at different times, they send him places to work. Okay, anywhere he goes, that place becomes his domain spiritually. Does that make sense? Okay, he has authority as an officer of the law. He has authority as, as, as part of the Department of Public Safety, but he also has spiritual authority. So when you go on vacation, you have spiritual authority there. When you go stay in a motel and you close the door behind you, you have spiritual authority there. Anytime you go anywhere, you take that authority with you everywhere you go, and you can enforce the cross. You can enforce the promises of God. You can stake your claim. See, then when he comes home from his assignment, he brings that authority with him, and it's not in where he was before. Am I making sense to you? Now, listen to me very carefully. I want to show you something very powerful. You move into your identity. What do you do? You find out what belongs to you, and you begin to say it. Now, here's the next thing God said. God wants to bring forward in your life lost opportunities. Everybody in this room has something in their life they wish they could change. Man, I wish I could do this over again. I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I could get this opportunity back. Listen to me. God wants to move in your life in those areas. And the way you make that happen is you enforce the cross. You enforce the cross with your mouth. How do you do it? Father, I thank you that my family's blessed. I enforce the cross over my life. Jesus, I thank you my marriage is blessed. My children are healthy. They're doing good in school. If anybody gets taught at school, my kids do. If anybody gets anything good to eat for lunch, my kids do your grace and your life and your love are on us and you know what you do you take the cross of jesus christ and you tell the devil to stand down and he'll listen to me and i don't want to be you got to get some fight in you you got to get some fight in you most christians don't have any they're waiting for god to do it and god's waiting for you to stand your ground and to stake your claim and enforce the cross it's about that dog You know about that dog, right? It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. You know about that, right? You got to get some fight in you. You got to get tired of the devil. You got to get tired of him running you over. You got to get tired of him watching your TV. You got to get tired of him sleeping in your bed. You got to get tired of waiting for him to get out of the shower so you can go next. Hello? Oh, God, I wish you'd do something. God, please help us. You got to enforce the cross. You got to stake your claim. You got to tell the devil to stand down. Get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my marriage. Get your hands off my grandkids. The cross has given me rights. 
and I receive those lost opportunities. How do you do it? You confess the promises of God. You find out what the promises of God are, and you decree them over your life, and you enforce the cross. Now, I'm not saying that you necessarily have to do this, but what if you built a cross out of wood and you went out and nailed it in your yard? Now, most Christians wear crosses for two reasons. One's for jewelry and the other's because they're superstitious. And that's called witchcraft, and God hates it. You don't wear a cross because, oh, you know, I'm super. No, no, don't do it for that reason. Do it because there's power in it. Amen? What if you got a wooden cross and you went out in your yard and you got a hammer and you drove it into the yard? And he said, devil, I'm enforcing the cross in my family. Now, you don't have to necessarily do it physically. You can just do it with your mouth and do it spiritually. But probably some of you, it wouldn't hurt if you did it physically. And I'm going to enforce the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in my family. And I'm going to stand my ground. The Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Here's what most Christians do. We either think we're blowing it. See, I know why you don't step out into your authority. Because you think you don't have any. Because when you try to step out in your authority, the devil shows up and says, you loser. You can't dare do this. We know what you did yesterday. So you shrink back. Or you don't think God will stand back and support you. So we do two things as a Christian. We either think we're blowing it or we think God's not coming through. So we just kind of hunker down instead of standing our ground. I have a neighbor lady who has a German shepherd, and she wanted me to go over there one time, I think, to feed it or something. And so I went in the backyard as a female, full-grown German shepherd, and I went in the backyard. And when I did, she stood up on the porch, and every hair on her body stuck out. And she growled, and she started toward me. Well, I'm already in the yard with the gate closed. I'm too fat to jump over the fence. I mean, when I was young, I could have probably done that. But it's, it's, it's fight or die, right? So she started toward me. And so, man, I just bowed up and started toward her. Now, I'm feeling afraid. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pretending like I'm Batman. But I, mean, I just thought it's either this or get my leg chewed off. So I just bowed up and started toward her, right? Ah! And, man, you know what she did? She tucked her old tail, and she ran for the farthest corner she could get in. I'm, you know what I'm thinking? Man, bring on the bear, man. Come on. Man, right? I was just, I was lucky, and the grace of God was on me. Amen? Right? But if I'd have said, you bad dog, don't, you, don't do that. Well, I'd be doing this in church, right? <laughs> right? A chihuahua won't even run if you do that, right? Now, you know that chihuahua has little man syndrome, right? You know what that is? They're the most dangerous dogs on planet Earth, right? They'll attack you because they're little and they want to hurt you, right? But even on chihuahua, if you go on now, go on. That doesn't work. But if you do this, get out of here! What do they do? They run, right? Okay, the devil's the same way. You've been crying and telling the devil, yeah, I wish you'd leave me alone. He's not going anywhere. The Bible says you resist. You enforce the cross. Listen, your words don't have to be perfect. It's your heart. Jesus, I bring the cross of Jesus Christ over my marriage, over my children, over my grandchildren, over my job, over my checkbook, over our health, over our cars, over our washing machine, over our water sprinkler, over our water hose, over the chipmunks in the ground, over the birds in the trees. Are you with me? And you... Get the devil off your life. And you get set free. And darkness has no power over you. Now listen, this isn't for the super Christian. 
This is for the everyday Christian. This is for you. You don't have to have the right words. You know, I, well, I can't say it like Pastor Rusty. You don't have to say it like Pastor Rusty. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me at the cross, and I claim it in our life. That's it. And you enforce the cross. You stake your claim. And you watch God take opportunities that you've lost, things you've messed up, things you've blown, and you watch him restore them. Amen? Y'all stand up and let's pray. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for this service. I'm thankful for this room full of people that are hungry for you. Lord, we enforce the cross over our lives, over our homes, our children, our grandchildren, our jobs, our businesses, and over every part of our lives. And we stake our claim that we're saved, we're blood-bought, we're loved, we're sons, we're not slaves, we're not orphans, we're not unworthy because we belong to you. Lord, I pray you burn that in our hearts this morning. You burn it in our hearts that we enforce the cross and all of its promises and benefits in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all going to be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend.